Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The the skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. Their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the ends of the world. In the heavens he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the law are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned in keeping them. There is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then I will be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Well, Jesus didn't return yesterday. It's interesting to see uh, some of the tongue-in-cheek Facebook comments of, uh, you know, one friend who seemed to uh, pack a whole lot of life into yesterday and someone said, well, good that you've done that because it could be the end. Uh, And uh, students saying that they were deferring the uh, work that they were going to work on their essays um, to see what happened. But of course, the scriptures don't tell us when Jesus will return. There's a reason for that, and that is so that we're ready for his return at any time. Let's pray, shall we? Gracious Father, we thank you that you've given us your word. Uh, We thank you, Father God, that uh, your word is, uh, uh, is so perfect that it is trustworthy that it is right, that it is radiant. And we pray that as we consider your word now, that uh, you would, by your spirit, enable us to inwardly digest what it is that you have to say to us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. In 2008, Tetsuya's restaurant in Kent Street, Sydney, was ranked number 10 best restaurant in the world. How about that, hey? It's a, um, 
Uh, it's a remarkable symbol of how our cuisine has changed over the past few decades. Uh, Australia used to be thought of as being the culinary backwater of the world, and I think that was probably fair enough. But now we enjoy an astonishing array of cuisines. Uh, we enjoy astonishing quality of food. Uh, food which has found its way not only into our restaurants but also into our homes. Uh, we now live in the age of My Kitchen Rules and MasterChef. I mean, who would have thought that you'd have whole families, mum, dad and kids, uh, glued to the television set watching a cooking competition and actually learning how to cook and getting excited about food? Uh, some people I know even go on eating holidays. And we also seem to be more aware of the nutritional value of what we eat. Uh, if, if we want our bodies to be healthy, we know that we avoid uh, cholesterol. And we make sure that we get our daily intake of all of the right food groups. The bottom line here is that we've come to this point where we've, we really know that food is enjoyable and that the right food is healthy. There was a time in Jesus' life when he went without food. Uh, do you remember that? 40 days, 40 nights in the desert and he was hungry. It was the perfect opportunity for the evil one to tempt Jesus. To tempt Jesus to follow Satan's word to do what Satan wanted. Do you remember what Satan said to Jesus? He said, these rocks here, if you are the son of God, then turn these rocks into bread. In his hunger, how tempting would that have been for Jesus to do? But his response was very telling. His response was no. Do you remember his words? He said, for man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Jesus knew that there was something which is far more delightful. There is something which is far more healthy and far more valuable and important than food for the stomach, and that was food for the soul. To be nourished on God's word and to obey God's word. And that's a truth which shines through in Psalm 19, which is our passage this morning. Uh, if you care to open up your Bibles at Psalm 19, C.S. Lewis once described Psalm 19 as being the greatest poem in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. And I think that as we look at the Psalm, we can see why he would say such a thing because it is, it is great uh, in that it tells us how we can know God. Now, the first half of the psalm uh, speaks to us about how we can know God from what he has made by looking at the sky, by looking at the sun and the moon and the stars and in all of their grandeur, that as we, you know, you uh, look out at the night sky, go down, onto the, go down by the water of a night time on a clear night, you look up at the sky and we see just something of the greatness of God. 
in what he has created. But I want to focus this morning on the second half of the psalm. Because in verses 8 through to 13, we read of the reality that God has revealed himself not just in terms of the fact that he is there, but that he has revealed himself personally and intimately to us through his word. So what does the psalm say about God's word? Well, one of the uh, first things we notice in Psalm 19 is that God's word is described in a variety of different ways, isn't it? Uh, it's just, have a look just at verses 7 and 8, for example. How is God's word described in verses 7 and 8? Well, first of all, the law of the Lord is perfect. It says, The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. The precepts of the Lord are right. And the commands of the Lord are radiant. Now, the question that comes up in my mind, well, what is the difference? What is the difference between law and statutes and precepts and commands? Uh, One of the things which I think is a starting point uh, in respect to this is to understand that in the Bible, when it talks about the law, that that's a a very big term. Uh, The law or the Torah in the Hebrew, uh, really does cover a lot. Um, In fact, when Psalm 19 was written, it covered just about everything that God had said in the written word. The first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers and Deuteronomy, are all considered to be the law. And there may be differences between law and statutes and precepts and commands, But we've got to realise that what we're dealing with here is poetry and that the bottom line is that what David is saying to us is that everything, everything which God has said is perfect and trustworthy. So what can God's word do for us? Uh, What can God's word do for you? Well, again, look at verses 7 and 8. Uh, firstly, it revives the soul. Now, that word revives is the same word that's used in, in uh, Psalm 23. You remember Psalm 23, which says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters and he restores my soul. That's the same word, restores Revived, it's the same word. God's word revives our soul. Now, that can mean conversion in terms of the first time that we actually come to know God personally. Uh, We do so through his word. It can mean refreshment uh, to bring us back to God spiritually. Uh, Let's think of what... Uh, the, exa- the, the opposite of that would be. What would be the opposite to, to a soul which has been revived? It would be a soul which is dead, or at least on its way out. A soul that's very sick. But God's word is able to revive the soul. Now, secondly, 
Uh, God's word makes wise the simple. Now, that's good news, isn't it? Uh, do you think of yourself sometimes as being simple? Uh, what it's telling it doesn't matter how smart a person is, it doesn't matter how well-educated a person is. Nothing wrong with this microphone, Andrew? Everything's turned... Can we just have this microphone on the, uh, on the lectern, perhaps? Could we do that? How's that, everyone? Can everyone hear me okay? All right, let's deal... It's good just to deal with that distraction, I think. Okay, so let me just retract. We've learned that God's word revives a soul. It brings dead souls back to life. Secondly, we're told that uh, God's word makes wise simple. And I, and I indicated to you, isn't that good news? Well, it is good news because do you think of yourself as being simple? You see, it doesn't matter how intelligent you are. It doesn't matter how well-educated you are. God's word can make you wise. I read during the week that the, one of the world's greatest physicists, Stephen Hawkins, has declared that heaven is a myth. Did you read about that? Well, he's kind of talking outside of his area of expertise, isn't he? You see, the, the simplest person who trusts God's word has got greater understanding than that. Not greater understanding of science, but greater understanding of life. God's word enables us to see things God's way. And it changes the way that we think. It makes us wise. Every day we need that wisdom, don't we? Because every day we have to navigate ourselves through the maze and the challenges and the choices and decisions that life presents us with. And we don't necessarily know what challenges are going to face us during the day. God's word gives us the wisdom that we need in order to live rightly and, to, uh, and, and in the complexities of life to make choices which are best, to make choices which honour him even for the simple. Who are the simple ones amongst us? Well, they say that, uh, you know, in order to grow wise, it's an advantage if you've got a few years behind you. As you grow older, you ought to be growing wiser. But God's word gives wisdom to the simple. I've seen how true that is even in the children and the youth of our congregation, those who haven't had the advantage of years, but who have had the advantage of God's word. I try to keep my ear to the ground and keep in touch with what's going on in the church and from time to time I hear stories of ways of things which our young people have said and ways that they've acted which are incredibly wise, which the people of this world would say that they've displayed wisdom well beyond their years. Sometimes they've displayed wisdom far greater than people many times older than them. And we know that that is because they have been exposed to God's word, that they've been taught God's word at home and in church. And we know that it's because God's word makes wise the simple. 
And of course, God's wisdom is ultimately found in the person and the work of Jesus and trusting in the gospel. Finally, God's word brings joy to the heart and light to the eyes. What are the opposites to joy and light? I thought about um, how about unhappiness and darkness? How about grumpiness and blindness? Friends, how does God's word bring joy to our hearts and light to our eyes? Well, there's much uh, which could be said about that, especially in terms of the gospel, uh, bringing joy and bringing light. Uh, God's word brings joy and light to our lives uh, on a daily basis as we face the issues of life. I was thinking about this uh, just during the week, actually. Uh, my regular pattern is I, the alarm goes off at six o'clock and I kind of stagger out of bed and grab my Bible and head to the kitchen to get my double shot espresso in hand and go and sit down in a lounge and start reading the word. And uh, Tuesday morning I was heading to the, uh, the kitchen for my coffee and I, I was thinking about my family. And I thought, well, I've got Andrew, 18 years old, living 600 kilometres away and in a residential college with, mo with almost 200 people who are non-Christians and all of the influences and the issues that that presents. I'm thinking, well, Cassie's waking up this morning seven and a half thousand kilometres away in another country, in another part of the world. I'm thinking Alyssa's facing half yearly exams that day. And I'm thinking my own program, and I've got a little bit of a program sorted, but I don't know what's going to cross my path during the day. You ever felt, you know, that uh, things are a bit like that for you in some ways. And then, you know, as I settle into God's word, and I'm reading through Numbers and Proverbs at the moment, and as I read specific details from Numbers about the priestly system and the, the temple and the sacrifices and, and so on, and as I'm reading through Proverbs, reading these specific truths reminded me of the great truths that there is a God, that he is holy, that he does love his people, and that he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got my life in his hands. He's got your life in the lives of our families, the lives of all in his hands. He is a sovereign God. He is trustworthy. And as I moved into a time of prayer, I was able to do so with this a certain joy and, and peace uh, in knowing who God is and how much he loves us and that he is in control. And to pray for the day ahead that some of his goodness and grace would shine through uh, even in my life. Because God's word brings light it enables us to see the reality of the world, the reality of our own lives, through his eyes. Now, how valuable is that? 
I'll tell you how valuable it is because David tells us how valuable it is in, in verse 10. Have a look at verse 10. In verse 10, God's, David says that the ordinances of the Lord are more precious than pure gold, sweeter than honey from the comb. Now, gold can buy you lots of possessions, but it can't revive your soul. It can't give you wisdom or joy or light. And what would you rather have? Honey can give you a sweet experience. In David's day, the sweetest of all tasty experiences was honey. Some of our family members celebrated their wedding anniversary by going to Tetsuya's restaurant. Uh, they had to book about five or six months in advance. It cost them five or six hundred dollars for the meal. Uh, I've seen the menu. It is fantastic. It is fantastic food for the stomach. But friends, God's word is fantastic food for your soul. That's why Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word which comes from the mouth of God. Now, I want to ask this question then, how often should we be feeding our souls? Well, how often do we feed our stomachs? Three times a day, four times a day, five times a day? Uh, if a person is not eating food every day, then why would that be? Well, what are the reasons a person wouldn't eat food? Yep, Lachlan? Because they're fasting. Yep, what are some other reasons why they might not eat food in a day? Evelyn? They might be sick or they might be dieting. So fasting, sickness, dieting, any other reasons why a person may not eat food? Yes, Jill? They're dead. That's a good reason for not eating. You kind of stop eating food when you're dead. Any other reasons that you can think of? They're poor. Okay, so fasting, sick, poor, dieting. Any other reasons that you can think of? Yeah. Too busy to eat. Yeah, too busy to eat. Mm. They might be anorexic. They might have a psychological problem that's causing them to not eat. They could be on the World Vision 40-hour famine. Anyone going to do that this year? <laughs> Look, the reality is, the point I'm making is that if a person's not eating food every day, then that's either because it's not part of their regular routine to do that, it's unusual for them to do that, or it's because they've got a major problem in life. It's the same with our souls. Can I get you to turn back to Psalm chapter 1 for a moment? Psalm 1 is a, presents us with a picture of two different kinds of men. One of the men it paints a picture of is the blessed man. And I want to talk about the blessed man. In Psalm 1, what is the blessed man like? Well, have a look at uh, verse 2. It says that his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Right? Now, 
Um, to meditate on God's word is like digesting food that you eat. You know, when we eat food, we, our bodies digest the food, they process the food, they, they draw the nutrients and the goodness out of the food for the benefit of our bodies. And to meditate on God's word is like that. The blessed man doesn't just read God's word and then forget about it. That would be like eating food and then vomiting it up. No, he reads God's word and he meditates upon it. He reflects on it. He considers it. He prays about it because he wants it to be a part of his life. It wants him to, to change who he is, his character. In verse 3, he is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. He grows spiritually and he produces fruit in his life because he's like a tree. He's like a tree that's got a deep and extensive root system. And it's been planted by a stream of water. And every day that tree is just sucking up uh, tens of gallons of, 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 of water so that it grows and becomes healthy and produces fruit. Well, the blessed man is like that. He knows that he needs to feed on and to drink up the word of God daily. Because that's how often he does it, doesn't it? Notice how often he meditates on God's word. It's not monthly, it's not weekly, it's daily. In fact, it's day and night. Well, what about us? If we are to grow in godliness and to become the people that God really wants us to be, then we need to be spiritually healthy. And it's an inward thing. It means that we need to feed on the nutrients from God's word daily. I read um, uh, about a study which, uh, where several hundred men were surveyed and these were uh, men who were regular and committed to evangelical churches and the survey asked them how often did they regularly read God's word? About 45% said once a week. Where do you reckon that took place? In church. In church. Now, we would not starve our bodies like that, would we? Or why would we starve our souls like that? Psalm 19 uh, gives us great reasons to feed on God's word as our daily bread. Uh, let me just add another reason. It's a practical thing, really. Uh, we need to be people who... Who read all of God's word. We need to be people who have a knowledge 
of the entirety of what God has said in his word. Now, it's great to come here to church on Sundays uh, and even to Bible study group during the week and to read God's word together and to have it explained or talk about it. But how many verses of God's word have we covered today? Really, uh, only a few. Uh, And in a regular Sunday, we might have half a chapter, sometimes an entire chapter. When we uh, when I plan out the week, the yearly Bible teaching for the church here, generally speaking, we would aim to cover three or four, maximum four, books of the Bible in a year, sometimes less, particularly when you've got large books of the Bible that you might cover over a two-year period. But three, four books of the Bible, as we meet here, 52 weeks in the year, for an hour and a half or so. Three or four books in the Bible. There's 66 books in the Bible. And if our, if our feeding on the Bible is only coming from church, then how many years are you going to have to come to church before you cover the... Let's assume that we never repeat any passages that we just work through every passage in the Bible um, consecutively or, you know, mix it around a bit, but we work through every passage. I reckon at least a quarter of a century. And you'd have to be in church every Sunday for a quarter of a century to get the whole lot. And by the time you got there, you know what, you would have forgotten most of it. Now, it's not going to happen, is it? You see how absurd that concept is. Well, what we need to be doing, rather, is to not see what we do in church as being our primary exposure to the Bible, but really supplementary uh, to what we do ourselves at home. Because If you read a few chapters of the Bible every day, then in a year or two, guess what's going to happen? You will have read the entire, you would have read every word that's proceeded from the mouth of God that's available to us all. Every word. How about that? Do you think that's a possibility? You think there's much of a chance of that happening? Well, in order to show you how that can be done, what what I have done today is I've made some copies of a thing called the One Year Bible. And what this does is it breaks the year up into 365 days and allocates four readings of the scripture for each day. And the idea is that on day one, you read the scriptures that are allocated from Genesis, Matthew, Psalms and Proverbs. When you've done that, you tick it off. Next day, move on to day two. Guess what happens after 365 days? You've read the entire Bible from cover to cover. How about that? 
Now, there's about a dozen or so copies of that on the uh, table just at the entrance there. Grab one on your way out. Or if you like, um, the website there is there on your outlines, just look it up yourself and print it out from your computer. Easy to do. That's only one way, uh, and it'll get you through the Bible in one year. But it's not a race. Uh, there's no prizes for getting through the Bible in one year. Uh, you can take two years. You can take two and a half years. But do it every day. Because if you do it every day, in time, you're going to read the whole Bible. And when you finish reading the whole Bible, you know what you do then? Well, you start again. You start again. Because our memory fades, don't we? And we need that nutrient from God's word every day, that encouragement and that challenge. Now, some of you I know have been doing this very thing for, for decades. Um, some of us have done it on and off over, over the years, sometimes you know, more consistently than at other times. And for some of us, I'm sure that this would be something quite new uh, in our thinking and our practice. And you think to yourself, well, there's a few things that are going to get in the way of doing that. You think, I'm a busy person. I've got responsibilities. Well, yeah. Uh, in fact, the busier you are, the more responsible you are. And guess what you need even more of? <laughs> the healthy nutrients from God's word. And so... It, may mean creating space in our daily routine, half an hour or more. About a year and a half ago, uh, I came to the realisation that I was physically unfit and I needed to change. I needed to start going to the gym for one hour a time, three times a week. Did I find the space in my life to do that? Of course I did. You just got to cut out other things in order to get healthy. And so for us in terms of becoming spiritually healthy and feeding on the nutrients from God's word, maybe, maybe it means going to bed earlier so that you can get up a bit earlier and spend time in the word before you start the day. Or maybe it's going to bed a bit earlier so that you can spend time in the word before you go to sleep. Or maybe it's both. Maybe you carry your Bible around with you and take that time out at lunchtime to read, read the Word. Maybe it's uh, less television or less internet. Or maybe instead of reading the newspaper every day, swap it for the Bible. <laughs> I'll tell you which one's going to be better for you. The bottom line is we need to do this for it is our life. For we do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. We do not live on bread alone, but on every word that revives our souls. On every word that makes wise the simple. On every word that gives joy to the heart. On every word that gives light to our eyes. Let us feed daily on God's word. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that your word is perfect, that it revives the soul, that it makes wise the simple, gives joy to the heart and light to the eyes. We pray that we would be people who understand its value, that would, we would see it as being more precious than gold and more sweet than honey. Father, we pray that you would help us to be people who feed daily on your word, who meditate upon it, who draw from it its nutrients and its riches, that we would indeed grow healthy spiritually and become the kind of people with the kind of character and the kind of priorities that you would have us be. Father, we know that, uh, there are, that the sa Satan does not want us to feed on uh, your word and uh, we pray that uh, we would be people who are able to think through our priorities and our plans and our schedules in our life and uh, be committed to uh, making it work. Be committed to feeding on your word as we're committed to feeding our stomachs. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.